0: And I was like, "Wow, this is surprising and bold. How can a lamb stew pair with a white wine, a wine Rioja?" And I'm kind, I'm very skeptical about that pairing. And when I have my first bite and sip with the wine, oh my god, it's so good! And they just matched with each other. And I was like, "Okay, this is a." A fabulous, fantastic example of red meat compared with a
1: white wine. Welcome to Moto Di Bere, the podcast about local drinks and local sayings. I'm your host, Rose Thomas Bannister. someone very special for today's interview, Joyce Lynn of sipwithjoyce.com. Joyce is a certified sommelier and a food and wine pairing specialist. She was born and raised in Taiwan and now works as a content creator in New York City. Joyce makes wonderful educational videos about food and wine pairing, writes articles and shares recipes, all super high quality content that takes us around the world, but definitely also introduces us to some amazing facts about culture from Taiwan and features translations and subtitles in Mandarin. I'm so excited to continue learning from Joyce today since food and wine pairing is one of my favorite things to talk about. Joyce, welcome.
0: Yay. Thank you so much, Rose. Thank you so much for having me, um, you know, spending time talking to me. And I really, really
1: appreciate and being honored to be on your podcast. I would love to hear more about where you grew up in Taiwan. Is there a local drink that you can share? It doesn't necessarily have to be wine or alcohol. Right, Um, yes, a local drink, definitely. Um, I
0: think everybody knows at this moment, like um, bubble tea is actually um, invented in Taiwan and it has become so popular um, in all over the world, especially in New York that there's tons of like um, bubble shop um, in the city. So um, this drink is um, invented in early 1980s and it was um, there is a debate like who invented um, this drink first but um, there's um, it's um, black milk tea and then they will add um, the bubbles which is made by Trapioca uh, tapioca balls and then they'll add it in the black milk tea to add, um, like, texture to it. And um, it just, all of a sudden, it becomes so popular in, in Taiwan or in over Taiwan. And um, businessmen, they're trying to, you know... Um, you know there is a lot of like Chinese immigrants who live abroad, like in America or in you know Japan or you know other place in the world. So there is always um, people who live different country, but they miss the bubble tea so they bring bubble tea to you know the place they they live in so i think um, that is a very very special local drink that i am super proud of and people know about it all over the place so oh my kid loves bubble tea oh, yeah?
1: yes we even got some supplies to to make it at cool. home i think we got some taro powder right. and uh we got the tapioca and everything yes it was kind of hard to make it at home we had trouble getting the tapioca right but oh uh, the t- <laughs> (laughs) texture is super important yeah it has to
0: be it has to be chewy but it it can't be like too
1: soft otherwise you lost
0: that chewiness to it yeah
1: is there a proverb saying or a piece of slang that you can Mm -hmm. share from where you grew up i actually grew up in a small fishing town in southern
0: part of Taiwan and um, we are very known for our seafood so I grew up eating a lot of fresh seafood and um, you know moving to New York I found it's really really hard to find like sea like fresh fresh seafood or even go into like a local fish market so I think that is um, one of the things I missed a lot about Taiwan, yeah. So a local slang, um, I actually did a little bit research on that. There's two slang that is related to drink. So um, the first one is uh, it's called hotala. So it's a Taiwanese dialect. And it's actually from uh, Fujian province in China, because a lot of um, people, the immigrants from um, Fujian back in the sixteen hundred, So they carry the language here and um, a lot of people just, you know, speaking the language. So hodala means um, button up. Don't leave any drinks, you know, in your glass. Yeah, just button up. Yeah. It. It, like, encourage people to, you know, to drink up. Yeah, so that's one of the, um, like, saying that we use, um, you know, during family gatherings or, you know, friends hang out and then just, you know, doing some cheerful things. Hey, come on, just drink up. Yeah. So, hōtala. Yep. And then there is another saying, it says, hōjiu tim ang te. It is also a, um, a Taiwanese dialogue. And it means... Um, the best of the wine is always sitting at the very bottom of the jar and it also means that whether it's a show a book a movie the best part is always um, left to be revealed at the end yeah so that's um, like two saying that related to wine that i would love to share with you all (laughs) (laughs) i love those those are great Great. thank you so much
1: i have to say about the seafood Mm. so i grew up in nebraska which is uh-huh. right in the center of the united states and i did not see the ocean until i was 16 my, my cousin uh, um she was and she is the professor
0: um in nebraska university and she she moved there a couple years ago Yeah, oh, so. that's where i went to school yeah that's i great. haven't i haven't had a chance to visit yet but i would love to
1: Oh well, it's it's wonderful. It's a beautiful state, <laughs> um, but the ocean is very far away. There, right. there was once an inland sea there, which is what created the landscape feature in western Nebraska called the Sand Hills, where I'm from. It was very beautiful, but um, that's far away in time and space. The ocean. So, um, I actually have a story that I like to tell. Because I've lived in New York now for eleven years, I thought the the seafood here was great. You know, <laughs> I, so I'll have to go to Taiwan and so I can get to the next level. Um, but I, the first time I visited people like in Long Island, you know, like in the Hamptons, I opened up a drawer, mm. and I was completely mystified at all these objects in this drawer. And I said, "Why do you have so many nutcrackers?" But it was the things to crack the crab. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I just did not understand. We had one of those, and we used it for walnuts at right. Christmas time. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, I yeah, the seafood sounds great. Tell me about tell me about growing up in a fishing town in, in Taiwan. What okay. was the name of the place? Um, the
0: name of the place is called Donggang, um, and um, it's funny that um, I don't grow up in a family that we f- we fish. But my grandpa, he is a farmer. My mom, that she grew up in a um, big family, so they will go to, you know, the the farm to help and doing a little bit, you know, helping to the family. So um, the most uh, thing I remember is uh, my mom, she doesn't eat beef at all. Because my my grandpa he had um, a few um, cows to help him to farm the land, so they had a you know unspoken st- things that say okay we don't we respect um, the animals who work for us, so they just didn't eat beef. But they but my mom didn't um, require me or my father to to not to eat beef. So that is one of, one of the things that um, make me think about, okay, okay, there's oh, like different culture, like eating, di- uh, different diet um, stuff that we grew up with. Growing up in a fishing town, I think we have abundant seafood to shop around. And I never th- think about or appreciate it until I move you know, here or when I um, like go to other town to college. So I think um, right now I really appreciate that you know living in a growing up, or living in a fishing town. It's a privilege to me, and I do miss that part. Yeah. So every time when I go back to Taiwan, I you know I'll try to have as much (laughs) as seafood as possible um, because we had so many you know different varieties, and there's tons of like good local restaurants they cook fantastic food so yeah i think that's the most
1: you know cherished mem- memories that i had yeah so we're going to definitely talk some more about taiwanese cuisine mm. in general in in a bit when we talk about food and wine pairing but is there anything else that you you wish people in general in the world knew mm. more about taiwan it's a it's a big
0: question um i feel like You know, Taiwan is a tiny country, um, a little island, and we are situated in between China, Japan, and um, Philippines. So, um, I don't know, like, some... I feel like uh, coming from a small country and then being able to, you know, um, study abroad and live in New York in a, you know, international capital city really opens up my mind, and um, I, I really wanted to, you know, share my culture and let people know about Taiwan, especially the the cuisine and the culture with, you know, people around the world and just uh, let them know that we we are beautiful people and um you know we we love to share and we are very friendly good-hearted and um just wanted to let people know that you know taiwan is a beautiful country and very we have like beautiful landscapes and each um, province or county has specialties and i wish you know, people can come to visit Taiwan and get to know a little bit about this country. Beautiful.
1: So, Joyce, your, your videos on your website have this great formula. You start by introducing the dish, which is often but not always a dish from Taiwan, including a lot of research into the dish's history. Then you introduce a guest who demonstrates the dish with a cooking video. And you give this really well done, I have to say, breakdown about what wines would pair with the dish based on a number of different factors. Mm-hmm. This project is so cool. I discovered it during the COVID lockdown when you were featuring some friends who live far away showing videos of them cooking at home. I was really moved. I found it so inspiring then, and I still do now. And I'm curious, how did you come up with this idea mm. to make this project? Okay. So it's
0: actually, I have to thank Anna Christina. Um, she invited me to join some um during, like, before the um, like at the very beginning of COVID, she asked me if I can make a video talking about like basic food and wine pairing, maybe pairing a dish with um, from Taiwan, and I'm um, creating this video and being able to showcase on their um, platform on IG, and I was like, okay, sure, I I would love to because um, it it would be fun to do it, but it it took me. Three months <laughs> <laughs> to get the video done, and when the video is done, I ask Anna, "Do you still want it to, you know, to to put it on on the um the IG account?" And she said, "Yes, of course, we'd love to." So yeah, that's my sort of like my debut um, video. And Christina from Anna Christina Cabralis yeah. from and what's her um her she Instagram she account? work at um. Why enthusiast. Right oh, great! Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. And the Instagram at- account is called Summation
1: Life. Summation Life. Yeah. Okay, Summation great. Thank life. you for explaining that. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened next?
0: Um, so yeah, so that's my, that is my very uh, first video, and um, at that time, I didn't, I didn't have the ideas so, um, like I should continue to doing it, but like the idea came to me. Okay, maybe I can do. A video like introduce um, you know cuisines from Taiwan or you know from Asia and then I can do Funuo pairing with that specific dish so I started to um, ask around my friend if um, they are willing to do this video with me and um, they are like super supportive and so that's how I started um, this project and I um, Currently I have 13 videos um, on my YouTube channel and um, it's it's fun to do it and I find it very um, like the chemistry between my guests and, and myself and also like um, we worked together to get this project done. And at the end, um, the re- the reward seeing the video up on YouTube, it's, it's very, you know, satisfying. And you, I have to say, we put a lot of effort and time doing it, like filming, editing, and then think about, oh, the wine we're pairing. And then also writing the narrative, the script. It took a lot of time, but um, I think it's, it's very rewarding. And, um, I really appreciate my guests that they trust me and wanted to um, like do this project with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a very beautiful website, and and the videos are so impressive. I, um, having started a multimedia wine project <laughs> myself recently, mm-hmm. I can definitely see the dedication and attention to quality that mm-hmm. that goes into the project uh, you have also all these articles as well one thing i have to say just as an aside is i find it um People have a hard time photographing wine mm-hmm. in a way that's not completely boring, right? Um, you know, there's just a shot of the bottle. It's, it's. I, even as a person in the the wine industry, as excited as I might be about those bottles, mm. it's always kind of the same picture. Yep. And so, you've, when you, when you on your social or I think in some places as your website, you do these wine pairing photographs where you you lay the glass on its side oh. on the on the table mm-hmm. with just a little bit, which is great because. because. Because that's actually, if you're evaluating a wine, Mm. especially during blind tasting, you will look, you'll hold the glass that way over a white tablecloth or paper to get a sense of the color. And then you have the food and like some flowers. And I just have never seen anyone do wine photographs as nice as those. I feel like you must have some kind of art background um i do
0: i study art since i was very little and i went to art school all the way from elementary school to college so i guess that art part, artsy part of me uh, must come in from that part i'm very happy that um, i find a way to incorporate the art and wine together and um, because you know um, working in the wine at this moment, as my second um, career. So I kind of feel like, oh, I don't want the go of the arts because it, it's in me. And um, I'm very happy that I find a way to cooperate these two together because I found wine um, is my passion. And I'm really, really happy that um, I, I find it um, during my in my mid-30s. And I kind of regret that, oh, come on, how can I? not find this passion you know a little bit um you know like earlier yeah because I feel like I came into the wine industry like very very late at you know if compared to to other people now I'm trying to you know take time and then take it easy and absorb what I have learned in the past eight years and then just try to live a little bit because I feel like I pushed i put a lot of pressure on myself at this moment so yeah but I'm really happy you appreciate um, you know the way I compose the layout or how the way I took the photograph I really appreciate that you, you like that style thank you so much yes
1: no I love it and I would say too that I can relate as a musician and and a writer coming into wine, I mean, I'm still doing everything. But you know, there's this creativity there that, Mm. you know, you're just not happy if you can't use it. It's just a sitting there fermenting in not a good way. (laughs) 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 Right. So uh, in fact, I I didn't expect to talk about music quite so much Mm. in the Moto D. Berry project. But then I immediately began meeting musicians who sing in dialect. So actually, several of the first interviews that I've done are are with these people. Mm. And uh, so it's actually, you know, everything's connected. That's what I love about wine. There's so many different pieces of culture that, that connect to it. Exactly. Yeah, I do. I do
0: agree. I think wine, it just bring people together, you know, and not, not necessarily have to be, you know, food and wine. It can be food and music, or, you know, food and book, wine, wine and book, wine and movie, or, you know, in any sort of form.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's just so many things connected to learn about that I never knew I was going to get to learn about, that I get to learn about through wine. Yeah. You know, certainly including languages, clearly, Mm. but also geology, chemistry, you know, ancient historical borders. It's just wonderful. And I think in that, too, you are far from alone from people who are coming to wine as, as a second career. I think many people, you know, are kind of working hard as a young person, just drinking whatever whatever cheap drink is around and then you know maybe you get a little established a little more established in your life and you you start tasting some bottles and you think oh my goodness what is this and a lot of people do make a jump at that point Mm -hmm. i i do also teach wine with the sommelier society of america and there are many people who are changing careers in this field so you know you're you're fine (laughs) more (laughs) than fine more than fine good to know (laughs) Yeah, great so food and wine pairing what's the first thing that we should know
0: wow Um, the first thing we should know is I think um, don't overthink (laughs) yeah because I mean for me I feel like food and wine is to um, elevate or to highlight the entire dining experience so I mean just don't overstress it uh, when you do it at home because you know At the end of the day if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you are still enjoying that bottle of wine right yeah so i mean there are still a few um like principles that you can follow and they're super easy um like seafood goes with white that people know and like red meats goes with reds but there's always exceptions and um these exceptions are the kind of proteins of the dish or um, the sauce you're using, um, the spices you're using in the dish, um, the way of cooking, like if you are grilling steam or uh, fried or stir fry or stew. So that all make those cooking methods you will always have to think about because they will change the flavor of um, the dish or the protein you cook. And also, um, there's another one. Regional food always goes with regional wine. What grows together always goes together. So, yeah, like Sancerre with goat cheese and like Austrian guner with um, schnitzel um, and also like beef bourguignon with Pinot Noir. That's uh, These are like perfect example of, you know, regional food go, w- go with regional wine. And there's um, another... Um, pairing that I would like to cover is like there is two kinds of pairing, um, congruence pairing or contrasting pairing. Mm -hmm. So congruence pairing is um, the food and wine share the same weight in terms of aromas, flavors, um, body, sweetness, and also acidity. So um, think about the balance scale. If we Want to put the hearty fish, uh, hearty beef stew on one side of the scale. What would you choose to, you know, to, what would, what kind of wine would you choose to put on that scale in terms of the weights? For me, I would suggest um, a red wine, of course, and um, with full body, with intense aromas and flavors, maybe a little bit
1: tannin and high acidic. To balance the beef stew, you know what comes to mind? Yeah, uh, Cannenal di Sardegna. Mm. That's that's yes. that's the, the the Italian wine that is right. coming to my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think
0: a good Chianti Classico Reserva would do as well. Yeah, or... Um, Maybe
1: with some oak aging. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Or Primitivo. Mm, primitivo is yeah, great. Primitivo yeah. is good too. Yeah. yeah. And um, the other one is contrasting pairing. So that is the opposite way. Um, so the food and wine, um, the weights, body, flavor, um, they're opposite to each other. So for, um, for instance, Sancerre and goat cheese is a great contrasting pairing because Sancerre is very bright, crisp acidity, um, has very great acidity to it. And um, the body is kind of lean. It's not super you know, heavy or mouthfeel. But goat cheese, um, on the other way, it's creamy. It has like um, milky note to it. And um, when you bite into it, it's like coating in your mouth. So at this time, if you have a glass of Sancerre, then it, the acidity, the fruit notes it will wash down all the, the creaminess in your mouth. So it, you know, it appear a, a contrasting mm-hmm. in your mouth. Yeah, so I think this two um, food and wine pairing guideline would, you know, um, give our audience a, you know, very, very basic guideline of, you know,
1: doing food and wine pairing. I'm thinking as you're talking about how sometimes both of those considerations can be involved in the same wine pairing. Mm. I was in Chinatown having some lightly battered fried seafood. Okay. And the, in the batter was just this light note of sweetness. Okay. And it was very light, and crackly and crispy. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Me too. <laughs> uh, um, but I drank it with with a German Spatlese Riesling. Oh. so this is a Riesling with a little bit of sweetness mm. to it. But the wonderful thing about Riesling is it has always this balancing acidity. So it's this beautiful, huge acidity, so that even when it does have this natural sweetness, it's never cloying. It never overwhelms because the acidity always comes around at the end and cleans your mouth. We do talk a lot about balancing fat with acid Mm. and so I was seeing that as a contrast but I was also seeing the sweetness in the wine and this very light sweetness in the batter that I had not noticed until I paired it with the wine kind of coming out and talking to each other so do you think of it as having both both factors sometimes in the same wine and food yeah exactly Um, I
0: totally agree with you because um, like in Chinese cooking no matter it's um, the cuisine from China or from Taiwan or even um, from Japan or Korea, um, when we cook, we not always, but usually, it's very often we add a little bit sugar mm. um, in the dish or in the sauce or you know um, in the like in in the progress of um, making the dish. So I think. Wine with a little bit um, sugar, and it it always bring out um, the sweetness of the dish. So it's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just um, I am not too sure how that chemistry works. Mm-hmm. Maybe the the molecules or the aromas or flavor compound in in the wine or in the dish, they just, somehow they just click and matched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think um, you know if you want to pair. Um, wine with like Chinese cuisine, always looking for wine with a little bit
1: um, sweetness, that would be a great, um, you know, guidance. And there are so many options for this besides Riesling too. I get really, I figure that the people who are really into Asian cuisine must get really bored when Riesling is always the answer. As perfect as it can be, Right. Chinese cuisine in particular, I'm not too familiar with it. I've Mm. learned maybe the most I have from watching your videos. Um, But here's the thing about what I just said about Asian food, Riesling. I feel like that is the entire education Mm. that people get about food and wine pairing, about this huge part of the world. I feel a bit behind Mm. because most of the food and wine pairing educational materials that mm. I have had access to are very Western or Eurocentric in the cuisines that they cover. And so that's one of the things that also really excites me about your project. I wanted to take a moment now to give a shout out to Moto de Berry's newest Patreon supporter, Jean is a new supporter of Moto du Berry on Patreon, but an old friend. We've known each other for over 10 years when she and her husband and I were all stranded at the same airport in Denver during a major blizzard. We ended up in the same taxi in the snow and have remained friends. Jean, I haven't heard lately what adventures you've been on, but I hope they're all great. And I want to say thank you so much for becoming a supporter and a sustainer of the show. If you're interested in joining Jean and becoming a Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash and get access to bonus content and also make sure that the show is able to continue. If you would like a free, quick way to help Moto you can also go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and write what you like about the show. It really helps increase visibility, and I appreciate it.
0: In Chinese cuisine or in taiwanese cuisine we use um, a lot of condiment and soy sauce we probably use in every dish (laughs) so um soy sauce is made with black beans they are fermented so they will also have those um, like fermented flavor, um, a little bit um, like yeasty, but of course they are salty. So like whenever I wanted to pair a dish that is cooked with soy sauce, that's a um, stew pork dish, then I'll, I'll look for um, a wine that has the same um, element to it. Like it, it's savory, or it has a little bit easty note. and also um, when it has aged for a little bit longer, it will have some like like oak notes or you know some earthy notes to it, umami flavor. Um, I'll try to look for why has those um, components in it, and that's how I connect the two together. And you mentioned about the sweetness too. So for the sweetness, um, we know most of the wine are dry, and then also there are sweet wine or like off dry style. But a lot of wine they have good fruitiness. We often associate with like ripe fruit note. I think those ripe fruit note can associate with. Um, the dishes has a little bit sweetness to it because it will bring out or um, they will enhance the flavor, the sweetness in the dish. Yeah. So that's how I try to, you know, pick up each element um, in the dish as well as in the wine and find if there's something similar um, to it. And then I'll just, okay, let's try if those two can work together or if they match with each other.
1: What about the spicy, spicy notes? What about when you're using different spicy flavors beyond the basic, okay, maybe a little bit of sweetness helps to calm the palate down after Mm -hmm. this attack?
0: Yeah. I'll give an example of pairing a spicy hot pot. I think lots of um, Asian people love spicy hot pot, and right now it's like going crazy. in New York, especially in Flushing, there are tons of um, like spicy Sichuan uh, restaurants and spicy hot pot places coming out. Um, I think sweet, sweetness, having some sweetness in the wine definitely can calm the, spicy, um, the spiciness in the, the, the hot pot. And also it will um, like provide a coating like in your mouth, um, just just like milk when mm. like when people say um if you're having like spicy food you can you can drink like a yogurt drink or drink milk um, it will provide a you know protection in your stomach and i think um, why the sweetness in wine you know provides similar um like factors in in your mouth and then it would be able to you know, keep you away from your um, your tongue feeling numbness or, you know, lessen, the reduce the pain. But I feel like when, when I had spicy hot pot, um, because the flavor is so intense, some people would suggest, oh, you should um, drink, maybe have some Beaujolais, like light body red to to complement mm. um, with spicy hot pot. But I I actually don't agree with that because I feel like if you're drinking like very light Pinot Noir or Schiava or um, or even Beaujolais, it just doesn't have enough
1: body to support um, that dish. And the intensity of the flavors could overwhelm the, the wine. The wine. The delicate exactly. flavors in the wine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would definitely look for... Something that has a little bit more body, maybe a little bit more fruitier. I think um, California Zinfandel mm. would be a great, great choice. And um, a Malbec would be lovely too. Just look for wine that has intense aromas and flavors, but not too tannic and um, not like. Su- in super high alcohol content oh Merlot would be great mm, Merlot California would be great. Merlot would be great what
1: about something like a Lambrusco which would be like mm. you know deep sparkling red right. lots of kind of blueberry right. huckleberry flavors mm. sometimes dry but still fruity sometimes with a little sweetness I'm right. wondering though about the you know with Szechuan cuisine and all those kind of intense little things going off in your mouth I wonder if the bubbles would be too much or if it would be oh. kind of fun well personally I, I would avoid any drinks has bubble
0: in it because um, when you have Sichuan cuisine, they use a lot of um, Sichuan peppercorn, mm. and those peppercorn will make your tongue numb, mm. and and it's spicy too. So when you when you are drinking like um, sparkling wine, um, the bubbles will make you
1: you'll make your tongue like even more. Um, Stimulated too much, yeah, yeah, or you want me yeah. to be able to appreciate mm. the texture of the bubble because there's already so much going on. That's right. Yeah, yeah
0: it's it's. I think for personally, I feel like okay, I, my tongue is already in pain, and I don't want have another components to stimulate. Stimulated,
1: so personally I would avoid any um, sparkling. Uh, maybe a Nero Dovola, like yeah. the, just a, a really big fruity Nero Dovola with the right. hot pot. Let's yeah. talk about bubbles though, and mm-hmm. what would be good in Chinese cuisine with bubbles. One of the most classic bubbles pairings is with fried food. Mm. Um, I think
0: there is a very very famous street food in Taiwan it's fried chicken but they, the size is like a popcorn bite size um, fried chicken and I think that would goes perfectly with um, with sparkling wine yeah what is it called um xian yeah that's that's how we we
1: call it in in mandarin now, what about tannins? Where can you use tannin in Taiwan cuisine, mm. and where might you want to avoid it? Okay,
0: tannin. I think tannin is a great um, agent to combine protein, right? And um, so, if you're ha- like, w- if we're having steak, we always wanted to, you know, we can choose. Wine with some tannin to, it like Bordeaux or a big cab, because the tannin could, um, you know, could come the the protein um, of the steak, and as well as the high acidity, and tannin could cut the fat, um, you know, with the the protein with the steak. So I think tannin is actually a good friend, not necessarily a you know a, a like intimidating um, items that we think oh we, we want to avoid, and to pair with with food. Um, I think a good tannic red could go very well with stewed um, pork um, in Taiwanese cuisine, or. Um, yeah, mostly stewed uh, meat. Uh, and then you cooked with soy sauce, with five spice powder, uh, with some garlic in it. And yeah, so I think tannin could, it, it would definitely enhance and help to cut down all the fattiness and also, you know, serve as a palate cleanser and then prepare you for the next bite. So when
1: you do pair tannin with spice, what happens? Oh, tannin and spice. It's unpleasant. (laughs) Maybe we should back
0: up a little bit.
1: For people who are really kind of just getting started in their wine journey, what is tannin? What is that sensation like?
0: Mm, Tannin, I think um, I can find a very similar um, example as like you drinking tea. So if you drink enough tea or you have that black tea sitting there for you know, for a couple of hours and you have a sip and you can feel like the grippiness or um yeah, the grippiness um, on your teeth, on the surface of your teeth. Or like if you have a lot of um spinach mm. and when you have enough, then you will feel like, oh, there is like a a grippiness on, on my
1: teeth and they're yeah and it kind of dries out your mouth exactly like, yeah. almost sometimes uh, it, people experience it in different parts of their palate depending right. on who you are but yeah it can be this kind of like scraping sensation that's that right. dries out your mouth mm-hmm. as opposed to acid which makes you salivate that's right but sometimes in the vocabulary mm. of people you know just kind of getting started to wine, mm. people will say the word sour Mm. But they mean something's happening in my mouth, and sometimes they mean acid, and sometimes they mean tannin. Right. Um, oh, but okay. because I don't think people have the word for tannin, is I mean the word is actually astringent, and that's just mm. not something we talk about much in English. We don't use that word too often. Right. So you know, so so tannin equals astringent, mm. and acid equals sour. That's so, right. Yeah, um, that's a good way to to put it. And you know, for people who are just very new to wine a good way to understand yeah so um another tannic wine i'm thinking of i have another podcast interview with roberto di filippo of the plani rk winery in umbria mm. so one of the most tannic wines ever and certainly also in italy is uh, a sagrantino mm. so that can be i'm thinking of a sagrantino with the with the with the pork now, what about, we haven't talked much about white wine, and I feel like we should come back to, to seafood. Is that the mm-hmm. right direction for Taiwanese cuisine and white wines? Yeah, because, um, you know,
0: Taiwan is an island and surrounded by ocean. So we we do have a lot of seaports. And also we have, you know, abundant seafood. So yes, white wine is it's a great, great um, you know options to to pair with seafood, but it all depends on um, like how you cook it. Um, there is a very famous dish um, like we we steam the whole fish, but we just use like very simple ingredients like um, ginger and scallion and maybe just a few slices of red chili pepper, and then that's it. And then you um, you drizzle a little bit rice wine and then you put in a steamer, steam about 10 minutes and that's a super, super delicious um, steamed fish. And um, for that fish, um, the flavor is very, very um, delicate. And so you wanted to choose a white wine that wouldn't overpower um, the delicate of the fish. But at the same time, um like the broth coming out um, from the fish, it has some, so uh, it has some ginger and scallion. The flavor in it, so you might be able to want to think about how, what it's, what are those flavors that I can found in wine, and then trying to pick a wine, be able to pair it with that uh, fish. So what I have in mind is. Um, I think Verdicchio is a great, great um, option. Um, Vermentino would work too. And um, Chablis would be a great option too. Yeah. Or or Fiano. Fiano is a great, um, you know, option. A great choice too.
1: What about yeah. a Malvasia? I, oh, I find yes. out a lot of gin, when I think of a. Gin, I was searching my mind for ginger, Men. ginger flavors in a wine, and and thinking right. of something that has a lot of interesting. Yeah. Uh, aromatic right to it would mm-hmm. be a uh, mavasia which is grown uh, in many places and certainly all right. over all over italy and, yeah. and can be made with varying amounts of texture that's in, right in, to the body yeah no I, I i love
0: that idea yeah thank you yeah
1: <laughs> oh, Mav- i love Mavazia. Mm. i could drink Mavazia all, all day, day long <laughs> <laughs> there's so, just so much there there's yeah, so much there exactly oh this is so it's so exciting Let's talk about some of these exceptions. People know these classic basic rules of white wine with with chicken and and red Mm. wine with steak. What about when you want to break the rules? I remember before
0: um, before pandemic, we went to Vienna just for fun. And we went to a fine dining restaurant. Um, It's the the 19th of the best restaurants in the world. Yeah. So... um, we ordered the food and wine pairing um, sets. And there is a one dish that um, it's lamb. It's a lamb stew, but in a clear broth. Mm. And then um, I was like, okay, I'm very curious about, you know, what wine they will bring to pair with the dish. And they bring out a, I believe is maybe 2004, a white Rioja. Tondonia Rioja. And I was like, wow, this is surprising and bold. How can a lamb stew pair with a white wine, a wine Rioja? And I'm kind, I'm very skeptical about that pairing. And when I have my first bite and sip with the wine, oh my God, it's so good. And they just matched with each other. And I was like, okay, this is a, a fabulous, fantastic example of red meat compared with a white swine. Yeah, I can never forget about that sensation and had that evening and just like, it's amazing.
1: Those moments are really so magical. Mm -hmm. If I start thinking about some memories like that, they're still just very much with me. They really make an impression. Why do people care about this so much? I think it's because there's these moments where it can be really sublime. One of the first days that I was introduced to pairing was actually at a brewery tour with beer, and it was an Indian dish. It was a mm. uh, chicken vindaloo with an IPA. And and seeing how something these two pieces become something else when you add them to something more. So my background, actually, before I got into wine was in cocktails. Mm. And I was making a lime cordial, and I had put in some kaffir lime leaves, mm. And some jalapeno. Oh, and some lime juice and some lime peel. And I I think, oh, and some uh, agave syrup. Oh, I think I was adapting a recipe from the employees only cookbook, which is a bar um, in New York City mm-hmm. that I got when I was still bartending in the Midwest and learning everything from books because <laughs> <laughs> the cocktail revolution was still just beginning out there. And I came to New York and it was I was a kid in a candy store when it came to cocktails. And so I developed this spicy lime cordial. And what I wanted to make was a gimlet, mm-hmm. which, you know, these drinks change and sometimes you have to accept the evolution. A, a gimlet now as often you'll see as a a gin sour with Mm -hmm. fresh lime juice and simple syrup. But actually, the gimlet was made with lime cordial, um, which, you know, people know Rose's Lime Cordial, right? And that was actually the original drink. And um, it was this, you know, packaged product. I still think it's delicious, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, people wanted something a little bit Less processed and so I think employees only was making their own Mm. lime cordial. So when I added when I put in these jalapenos, I tried it with gin, and then I tried it with tequila. Mm. and I think so I made a tequila gimlet. Okay, oh my gosh, I have to make this recipe again. It was fantastic. And there was this moment. The gin was good, but the tequila, something about the combination brought out the vegetal, spicy flavors that were hidden inside of the tequila. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, if you put it on a graph, it just went up. Yeah. You know, and then the spice, the, the flavors in the cordial as well changed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those magical moments. Um, I remember being on uh, the island of Orkney in Scotland. Mm. They had these little sugary sweets. Okay. And I think I had also a coffee. And for some reason, I also had a dark beer, <laughs> and I was drinking all of these things okay. together. And I was sitting there, and I was crying <laughs> because they tasted so good, you know. And you know, they're really unforgettable. These right. moments, yes. you know. Yeah. So I think it's something to not be intimidated by. Well, none of this is something that should be intimidating. I strongly feel, but the, again, the purpose of all this knowledge is more enjoyment. That's right. Yeah, that's
0: why I I fall in love doing food wine. Pairing because I really, really enjoy the moments that food and wine um, bring to me. Because it, it, just like when I had those momentum that you encountered a great food and wine pairing. There, there's like fireworks in my in my head, or you know, there's like uh, ocean waves, you know, in my mouth. Like, oh my god or like you're having Shibley with oysters, you can you almost feel like there's a sea spray, like, you know, sea breeze, you know, blowing from the ocean and you just, oh, I, I almost tasted the sea. I study art. So there's always like pictures or images in my head when I have this kind of moment and I, I want to put into words or maybe put everything together um you know compose as a picture in my head and those you know those ways will help me to you know memorize those moments I had in my in my life and I, I think that's the it's amazing. That's why I love the white pairing. Maybe
1: you should make some artwork about those, those, that's right, those yeah, moments. That's like, a what great would, suggestion. Yeah, like what would the white Rioja and lamb stew right. image yeah. look like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun a fun series. Yeah. No, I
0: think that's great. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I think I'll, I'll definitely do that. Yeah. And, you know, make it abstract. That's yeah. that's fantastic, Joyce. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Mm. So, so we we spoke about your website, right. sipwithjoyce mm-hmm. Are there other places like on social that you want to point people to, or your YouTube channel? Um, yes, I have a um, Instagram
0: account. It's it's um it's all related to sip with Joyce, and also I have a YouTube account. It's it's called sip with Joyce. These are you know my Um, platform to showcase my passions you know feel free to check it out and I constantly update them you know there's always ideas coming out my mind and then you know do some like fun and interesting or unexpected food of my pairing that I wanted to know and I also want to use this platform to you know to let people know that you know there are lots of different kind of cuisine in the world and they actually they can pair with wine it doesn't have to be like wine can only pair with western cuisine or cuisine from europe wine can can go with you know other different kind of um, cuisine like japanese or korean or southeast asia malaysian cuisine or you know cuisine from Taiwan from China and you know China is, is huge so they have different kind of you know regional cuisine there's you know tons of a lot to to learn so for me I, I think you know being open-minded and you know ready to try different kind of pairing all together it, it actually helps me to to learn a different culture also learn a different language and learn how the people use different kind of ingredients and then make a delicious dish. So I think that's um like broaden my mind and also help me to understand oh there are lots of different cuisines, wines in in the world, and I just can't wait to explore more.
1: That's so beautiful. Thank
0: you so much, Joyce.
1: Thank you. So if we have a listener who is now feeling very hungry Mm. and very thirsty (laughs) after listening to this, and maybe someone who's really new to this idea, you know, or just wanting to get more into it, and they're like, oh, gosh, I'm going to go to the store right now. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, where
1: where can someone start? What's your best advice to someone who's just getting started with food and wine pairing?
0: Well, I mean, mm, I would recommend... Try some, try something classic first, and see how you like it. Or you can get, you know, the essence of that food and wine pairing. Um, for example, um, duck with Pinot Noir. It's a classic, classic pairing. Why is classic? Because it has been experienced for so long, so many years. So that's why it becomes a classic pairing. So I would suggest. Uh, Maybe try something um, classic first, and then you can, you know, just go crazy and try something unusual. You might found um, something new and you like it. Or if you don't like it, then that is okay, too. Because at the very beginning, if I said before, if you don't like the pairing, that's fine, because you still have a very good bottle to
1: enjoy. It sounds like a great opportunity for a potluck. Exactly. Everybody brings yeah. different food and different bottles of wine, and then you you pour a little in your glass right. and see what you like together.
0: Yeah, I've done that before, <laughs> <laughs> and it
1: works. <laughs> oh, I want to do that right now. Yeah. Let's go to the store. <laughs> um, Joyce, thank you so much for talking with me today. It was wonderful. To all of our listeners, thank you. Wherever you go and whatever you drink, always remember to enjoy your life and to never stop learning. Follow Moto D. Berry on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok for even more unique and encouraging drinks and language content. If you would love for the show to continue and grow, support Moto D. Berry on Patreon and unlock bonus episodes. Find out more at motodberry.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter. Music for the podcast was composed by Ursilia Prosperi and performed by the band O. Oh. You can purchase their recordings at oumusic.bandcamp.com.
0: Yay!